Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk just a little bit about drain tile. If you caught our show just a few days ago on Monday, we had an Ag PhD tiling clinic. But we want to talk tile again today because there are a number of things that we hit during the clinic that we didn't talk about on the radio. And just a lot of key things with tile when it comes to making your soil healthy, getting the most out of everything that you're doing on the farm, any investment you make in your crop, in your field, in your soil, it's going to pay off a lot better if you have good drainage. If you've got any questions for us anytime throughout the show, our phone lines are going to be open here today, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So when we start talking about drain tile, I guess the first thing that I try to stress to people right away is you may have heard a lot of things about drain tile, but just understand it's actually quite simple. All that drain tile does is lowers the water table in your field. That's it. So it doesn't take all the water out. In fact, when you have the water table down, if let's say I just lowered the water table today and kept it down to where I want it to be, field capacity is roughly this. We talk all the time about ideal soil being about 50% dirt, 25% air, and 25% water. So I'm just trying to say there's a lot of water that can still be in that field even if your water table is down. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that those tile lines that you put out in your field, they are not even going to run until the water table goes above that level in the field. So if you think about that, it's like you may have heard, oh, anytime it rains, the tile line's going to run. That's not necessarily true. In fact, most of the time that's not true. It's only when the water table rises above the level of the tile line. So think about this exactly like the sump pump in your house. Does the sump pump in your house run every time it rains? I mean, I hope it sure, I sure hope it doesn't. But tile that's around the foundation of your house, it's exactly the same as the tile that a farmer would put out in the field. And anytime the water table by your house gets above the level of that tile line, then the tile line is going to run into your sump pump and then you're going to pump it out. Most of the time in fields, fortunately, we have what we would call uh, natural, well, I I, I just say gravity flow getting it out of the field. So we don't have to have a pump. But in some cases, even as farmers, we will have a pump out there and then we can pump the water out too. But anyway, it's the same basic concept, same thing we're talking about here, drain tile around your house and drain tile out in the field. So perhaps the biggest misconceptions have to do with environmental issues. And let me just give you a couple of facts here. One, tiling actually reduces erosion by about 40 to 60%. And then secondly, tile reduces flooding usually by about 15 to 30%. Let's go back to the erosion thing first. As a basic concept, I just want you to think about it this way. If you have poorly a poorly drained field, let's say the water table... It's all the way up to the soil surface because you don't have tile in the ground. 
And even if you were to get rid of surface water, so a lot of people think, oh, I'll just get rid of the surface water. I'll do some ditching. I'll, you know, try to cut through some potholes, whatever. I'll do some surface drainage. That's going to solve the problem. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is internal drainage. We want the water table down because that's where the roots of your plants grow. You don't have above ground growth without below ground growth. But anyway, if you get a rain and your water table is already at the soil surface, where does that rain have to go? It has no choice, but it has to run off the field. And when it runs off, what's it going to carry with it? In a lot of cases, soil, herbicides, insecticides, fertilizer, all stuff we don't want to see go downstream, all stuff people get awfully concerned about if it went downstream, and we don't want to lose money. So if I'm going to invest in anything in the field, I want it to stay in the field and help my crop. If we have the water table down because of tile, well, now the water can soak in when the rain hits, and that's the reason why we don't have soil erosion. So that's the first thing. In terms of the flooding side... Here's the most basic way that I can put this. So whether you farm or you don't, you, you will be able to get what I'm talking about here. So think about it this way. If a farmer is going to go invest money in tile, sometimes downstream neighbors get all worried that, oh, you're going to flood me out with your water. That couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, the opposite is true. Over time, there's going to be less water going downstream, and here's why. Because how does the farmer pay for the tile? Why is the farmer putting the tile in in the first place? To get more yield. We've had a lot of spots on our farm that were yielding 100 bushels, 100 bushels for corn. Now they yield close to 300, seriously. So what yields more? What uses more water? Think about that. It's that higher yielding crop. When I have good drainage, I have more yield. When I have more yield, I pull more water out of the ground. A 300 bushel corn is going to take roughly three times the water out of the ground compared to 100 bushel corn. So sure, initially when I put that tile line in, if the water table is currently high, then initially the tile line is going to run full and you're going to go, oh my gosh, here it goes and we're flooding out the neighbor and everything else. That's why I like putting in tile in drought years. Like these last couple of years, there was the water table was down at 10, 15 feet deep. So there was no water to run out of the tile line. You could install all the tile you wanted in our region. Nothing came out. So it was great. And then moving forward, we're now able to keep that water table down. We're, our yields are going to be higher, and we're going to suck more water in total out of those fields. So anyway, those are probably the biggest couple of things. The last thing I would say is some people believe that tile water is polluted. That's not true. Run the studies. We have plenty of times on our farm. The two biggest water quality issues we have are nitrate and phosphate. Phosphate, it doesn't leach unless you put on a ridiculous amount. So phosphorus is almost never going to be found in, in tile water at all. And even nitrates. The, the drinking water standard is 10 parts per million. 10 parts per million. So as long as the farmer is doing the right thing in terms of uh, split applying nitrogen, putting it on when he should, the nitrate levels are often very, very low as well. Stay tuned. We'll talk tile next. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPVD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelchamUSA.com.
Always read and follow label instructions. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We've had so many questions come in. Well, we constantly have questions coming in about drainage and people asking, how much of a difference can it make? How quick can I turn things around? And also, I'm having trouble finding anybody that'll do it in my area or regulations in my area are not really conducive for this. So how do I get things started? So it's a really big topic. And if we've got good internal drainage in our soils, obviously that leads to better soil health and productivity. So we're talking tile today. If you have an agronomic question, that's fine as well. Uh, again, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to North Carolina. Got our friend Kevin Matthews with us right now. Kevin, how you doing? No, pretty good. How are you guys today? You know, we're doing well, and I, I think about it like this, too, and I, I was thinking, oh, North Carolina today. Uh, coming west, guys say, well, you don't have so much water that it can be a problem. Yes, we do. But I don't know if anybody would say that in North Carolina. That, no, you're never going to get enough water that, that drainage could be an issue out there. I, I'm betting this is an every-year challenge for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our bottoms and then down in the Black Lands and the eastern part of the state, it's, uh, it's you know, water's a, it's extreme management. Yeah, I had a chance to to walk a little ground a little bit away from your home with you or or with uh, with one of the guys you're working with out in North Carolina, and he was saying, "Yeah, Kevin's telling me I got to do something about some of this drainage. They're farming right up to where the water body of water was at, and uh, certainly that water came out of the banks a, a number of times and has over the years. What do you tell guys in a situation like that where they don't have drainage done already and are, are maybe a, a pioneer in their area? Well, the, the biggest thing is you need to get networked with a good good designer that understands your soil and uh, your layouts and what your goals are, what you're trying to achieve. 
when I look at the tiling that we've done in our farm, and I had a couple of guys pointed out to us this week, they're like, man, you got some fields. You just targeted the problem areas. And I know Brian, Brian was taking that one head on. He's like, yeah, it's a lot less expensive. And in some cases, we got plenty of slope to work with. I know you've got some slope to work with on your farm. Do you see this as being more for the for the river bottoms and the valleys, or, or is pattern tile a big deal in your part of North Carolina? Uh, we started out kind of spot tiling like Brian, you know, we felt like that was the most economical way, but now we've learned so much more about how it changes the soil profile and improves the microbial life and, uh, just takes those anaerobic areas and makes them aerobic. And it's just so much better production. We do tremendous amounts of pattern tile now. We had Matt Miles on the show here just the other day, and Matt was saying he's getting back into the field so much faster. That's one of the first things he's noticed about drainage tile. What what would you say for a guy like that that's just getting started? Because everybody always wants to know, how fast am I going to turn things around on my farm? Uh, Would you say it's an overnight change, or it, it just keeps getting better for a while? I think it continually gets better. Um, you know, if it's bad, if it's a real bad drainage area, you know, it's kind of overnight change, but it will continually get better. It just, it, the soil just changes after you get it where it can breathe and, and the roots can get down into that soil profile and really grow. So here we are in February. What starts happening on the Matthews farm in North Carolina in February? Are you getting out in fields at this point? How soon is planting? All those kinds of things. We're getting antsy. Uh, This week we've been top dressing small grain, uh, putting some liquid nitrogen out there, some sulfur and some some soluble, trying to get just, uh, we like to spoon feed it, our low CEC soils, so we'll just, We'll add another application here in about three three weeks or so. Um, trying to, we was spreading lime. We're getting rain today, so we're obviously stopped. Kind of glad. Working in the office, working in the shop, and February is the month we pull our planters in, and we try to get all three planters up and running by the end of the month. And don't know that that's going to happen this year. We're doing complete row unit replacements. Uh, Adding adding a lot of technology onto the planters as if it didn't have enough to start with. So uh, <laughs> going, going to be interesting. So are, are you finding any trouble getting those parts? Did you have to order them way ahead to get them? What's the situation there? We did order way ahead. Um, we was unable to go with a precision plant full, full board like we wanted to. So we did the deer uh, row unit replacements. And uh, so we're having to kind of mix and mingle. Uh, it, it's it's not it's not easy getting the parts you need. No, no, it's the same. It's the same out here. Well, Kevin, I know you're busy. Thank you so much. Really appreciate yep. the time having you on today. All right, I appreciate it. You guys have a good day, and y'all stay safe out there. You bet. You as well. Uh, got our friend Lee Lubers on. I know, uh, Lee, you're probably listening to Kevin talk there about what's happening in North Carolina. How about where you're at in South Dakota? Typically thought to be a pretty dry area, but, man, there's some pockets out there that they could use a little drainage help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we're really excited about starting to getting into tiling, and we do very few grids, but we're doing a lot of problem areas, so that lowers our cost and affects a lot more acres and kind of looking forward to several fields that I feel 
and so does my brother. It'll be the first time ever that we can plant from end to end when we pull in the for the first time. Uh, you sound exactly like my brother because that was the first thing he know one of the worst fields that we had for drainage, and uh, we got it all planted before my dad made it back from Arizona one year and. And he's like, we, we went end to end across that whole thing. And dad, dad couldn't even believe it that that could happen. That That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I, we're really looking forward to it. And we're helping out our microbial life in the soil. And we're going to gain our earthworm counts. Uh, we're going to take those saturated areas. And we're going to get a real proliferation in soil biology. We are excited, really excited about it. Yeah, you hit on the big thing here, Lee, and everybody talks about the water and, oh, you're take, taking water out of the soil. Really, we're just opening that pore space back up for oxygen, and that air is so critical. Cause I, well, I know like on your farm, you guys talk so much about soil health and how you just can't do it without a good, healthy soil. You're not going to have a healthy soil without oxygen. Exactly, and the soil can hold extra water, and if it can't hold it, it's going to end up being ponding. You're going to have lake beds and you're going to have spots drowned out that you just got done planting, spend a lot of money on, and they may not dry out enough where you can get back in there. Or even with no-till, you're running the risk of erosion with our topography. So with tiling, we're going to really reduce those issues. So what have you seen in your area since tiling is pretty new for most guys in South Central South Dakota? I know for us on the east side, uh, our landlords are starting to get more comfortable with it and they're, they're starting to see a lot of guys having success with it. How, how about for you? Have you just done it on acres that, that you guys own or have you been able to work with some landlords in any projects yet? Uh, this past summer was our first year of tiling. We did 1,100 acres and we have about 800 acres scheduled for 2022 after wheat harvest and we do have landlords anyone who is to the east that owns ground that's tiled they already know the benefit and they're like ready to dive in with us and split the cost and it'll be nice as we get doing this so i can take other landlords and get them in the pickup and show them what we've what we've gained and advanced on where we've tiled versus where we haven't and i think we'll get a lot more landlords on board yeah, it is. It is a great deal. Once once people see, oh man, you made a huge difference on that farm. Uh, they want it on theirs too. I know for Brian and me too. We had landlords that said, "I want mine tiled first. I've seen what this does, and I want my ground to look great." And hey, that's that's what we're all in this for. We want this ground to keep getting better and better and be more productive because we're going to need it going forward. Exactly. Yeah, it, this is one of the best things that we feel we've ever done for our land is getting into tiling. That that is awesome. That's a great that's a great comment to to end it on. Lee, thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, you being on the show today. Thanks for sharing that and and even, you know, on an area where you're just getting started to see results already in in year 1 and year 2. That's that's fantastic. Thanks, Lee. Hey, thanks. Anytime. Well, Brian, it's a comment that we've heard quite a bit lately. This is one of the best things that I've done for my farm, getting that drainage improved to uh, to help with soil health and profitability. We'll talk more about drain tile coming up right after this. Phil wants plant all day. 
The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. This is a wake-up call. For you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We wanna share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle, and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about drain tile, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Kat time with us right now over in West Virginia. How are you doing, Kat? Okay. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. We don't have any snow on the ground here. How about you in West Virginia? We're in that ice watch thing. It's right now draining. It's supposed to ice over this afternoon. Uh, no fun. No fun at all. Uh-uh. All right, so uh, what's what's drain tile look like out in your area? you guys doing some drainage? We are not. We're those people who are flipping over ditches and doing drain on surface ground because we don't know what to do with it. Basically, we're specialty crop producers, so we have an orchard. 
and the open fields, but we know that living in the hills, drainage is a huge issue. If you have one inch rain, you have one inch rain times the height of the hill and that's coming through the bottom. Sure. But how do you look at that from that perspective? Everything that we see is for large ground, you know, crops. You don't have it for the smaller ground or the specialty cows. Yeah, I, I, if you have an orchard, that that becomes a challenge because with tile lines, what we worry about is perennial roots getting down into the tile line and then dirt gets caught on the roots that continue to live for year after year and then eventually the tile line fills up. So that's the, that's the biggest issue that we would have when we start talking about orchards. So hills, that doesn't bother us as much. There are strategies you can use for hills. So what we're typically doing is we're tiling on in the low grounds and then we're tiling in the side hills all the way up into, in some cases, even up to the almost the top of the hill. But what we try to do with hills is the main lines may be running down the hill, but the lateral lines are running as much across the hill as possible. So, yep, so then we can kind of catch that water as it's coming down to some degree. But having the water table down in hilly conditions is even more important than it is in flatlands in my book because I don't want erosion. If I've got a high water table and my water can't soak in, it's going to run. And obviously when I have hills, it's going to run that much faster. But yeah, I don't have a great answer for you when it comes to orchards because you can put a tile line in and within five to ten years it's going to fill up and then you got to go do it again. Well, that would be part of the management. So, I mean, I get that part. It's so in 2016, where we were, we were flooded, yep. and it was all on the bottom. Okay. And we've seen more and more of the nutrients and, and literally minerals leaching out with the water as it goes. I want to retain that, you yep. know, in the soil, not yep. to run off, but actually leaching down in the soil. That's what I want. So it, it, I'll put it to you this way. We farm some river bottom ground also. And if the river gets so high that it's going to flood, then it's going to, I mean, it literally could take everything. So with ground like that, we are doing lots of split applications. So we're only putting out what the crop's going to use. We're trying to put it out at put it out at as close to the time when the nutrients are going to get used as possible so then we don't have okay. as many concerns there. So that's what we're doing. So uh, uh, in in comparison, when we have some, what our dad used to call prairie land that's up above uh, from, from the river, and we get very little rainfall here to begin with, and in some cases we have pretty heavy soils. In those conditions, we can literally put out all the nutrients we need for the whole year the fall before, and there's no problem. Right. And I never have to worry about leaching or anything else, but down in that river bottom, we have to farm that differently. We just have to manage it differently, right. That and, and that would be my suggestion for you, is to put on a little bit at a time, keep it close to when the, the crop, whatever crop it happens to be, is going to use it, and then you should be in better shape. So a direct use application. Yep. Instead of a maintenance. Okay. Yep. That's what I'm saying. 
So that otherwise, I don't I don't know what else to tell you because the problem is we just don't know when these floods are going to come. We've had it before. I go back to 2014. We had been dry for three years, and I, I mean, like literally, our water table was at its lowest point in 30 years, and we thought, oh, here we go again. It was the first of June in 2014. Well, then we got an entire year's worth of rain in three weeks, and we went from, okay, it's too dry, to three weeks later, we're flooded out as much as we have been in a decade. So that those things can happen, and it can happen even more easily for you, I think. So that's why in any type of ground like that, for you, that's how I'd be managing it every single year. Yeah, it, it takes, a, like ours was a nine-inch rain in 24 hours. Yep. So it had nowhere to go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, ho- hopefully right. that helps. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. Yep. Bye. Let's head over to Iowa. We've got Keith Rower with us right now with Dry Run Drainage. Keith, how are you doing? Oh, it's staying warm today inside. <laughs> One of those days. <laughs> it is, but we got uh, a forecast. The 6- to 10-day forecast is for above normal temperatures. We've had quite a few of those this year, and you know, guys start thinking about, man, it looks like spring out there. I know we got a couple feet of frost in the ground, but spring will be here before too long. It will. It will. We uh, finished up tiling basically right after Christmas before New Year's and uh, went through, serviced our equipment so that as soon as Mother Nature lets us, we're going to get back to work and start putting pipe in the ground. I hear a lot of farmers this year say, man, I had a good year. I'm going to try and get some more drainage done. And uh, also hearing we're kind of dry in our area. This is our shot to get that project done or get a a previous project maybe fixed up or improved or we we narrow up some spacings. What are you seeing as you're getting out there doing digging? Did you see a lot of dry conditions below ground? Well, you know, it was interesting. This uh, fall, we actually, I'd say, had more subsoil moisture than we did the fall before. Um, 2020's fall was really dry in northwest Iowa. Um, Our subsoil moisture was depleted. And uh, this year, or last year, 2021's growing season, we received a fair amount of rains in late August and September. Now, that really didn't help us finish our corn or beans too much. It, It did a little bit, but it really did help us recharge some of this soil moisture. So I feel coming into the spring of 2022, we're sitting, you know, decent as long as mother nature continues to keep giving us timely rains. I think we're going to have an all right year, but like Brian, like you guys said a moment ago, it it's the Midwest. It can vary. We could get a year's worth of rain in a short window and, and be dealing with a flood situation. So yeah, yeah we've, we've definitely done some projects in that dry time that were otherwise a little more challenging and and that's been good uh yeah just makes life a lot easier when we're not carrying 30 pounds of mud on our boots oh (laughs) truck stuck every 10 minutes no doubt about that no doubt about that all right keith uh what are the most common questions that you've been getting this fall and this winter for for guys that are looking at doing tiling projects well, just uh, biggest concern has been, you know, with costs. Um, we've been doing some designs and, and planning ahead for the future and getting our projects put together and then locking in that pipe and price so that we don't have to deal with uh, changing prices. Last year it was, you know, almost daily or weekly different prices on uh, pipe. And so getting that secured and, and has been a good one. And, and then, just overall looking at, you know, our, our yield maps over the last few years in wet years, 
where were we having problems and then trying to address those and uh, hopefully get a good return on investment by making higher yield in those wet years there. You bet. Yeah, those yield maps sure tell the story of, of areas where guys need to, to get a little bit more work done. And judging by the piles of tile I'm seeing starting to show up in, in farms around your area, Keith, I, I'm going to guess you're going to be a busy boy as soon as things thaw out here. Hey, we're ready for it. Bring it on. <laughs> Equipment's tuned up. We're ready to roll. <laughs> awesome. Well, Keith, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you guys as, as you get started this spring. Thank you. You too. Have a good spring. Bet. Talking about drain tile on today's program, not only just to deal with excess water, but really to get oxygen into the soil and control where that water table's at. It's been so good for, for our farm and really across our country with reducing erosion and improving production on a lot of these farms. We're going to talk more about drain tile and take your questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. Today's technology has changed virtually everything, but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other tuckweeds pre- and post-emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum acres. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio, talking about drain tile today. Big surprise there. I know. It's one of our favorite topics. It's been a fantastic thing for our farm and for many others. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question or if you want to talk about a tiling situation on your farm. Let's head down to southwest Nebraska. We've got Brad on with us right now. Brad, how are you doing? Doing well. Just headed to an irrigation show in Garden City, Kansas this afternoon. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I can't think of a much better way to farm than if you can control the amount of rain that you're going to get and also control the water underneath the soil surface with drain tile. It's a perfect situation. That's very true. We've seen many guys that have put center pivot irrigation on their fields and drain tile in the same year, depending on the, the area that they're in. That's a big budget, unfortunately, to do all those improvements all at once. But, uh, but, but yeah, that would be ideal. Did you have a question for us today, or do you want to talk about what's happening on your farm? Hey, I want to visit with you a little bit about some things that we see in southwest Nebraska, especially as we've changed our tillage operations over the last 25 years to more of a no-till situation with terraces on fields. We have a lot of these fields that had terraces on them. Uh, they're a little tougher to farm around, of course, with bigger equipment. We have some weed pressures that, that go on when the terrace channels drowned out. What have you guys seen for tiling the actual terrace channel? Have you seen any success implementing tiling in that situation before? Okay, so we also, Brad, have some terraces on our farm, and there are a couple different ways to go. So one, obviously, people are doing nothing for a drain tile, but that's not typically what we recommend because, like you say, then the water builds up there, and then the crop ends up suffering. So anyway, what, what we have typically done is, and what we do like to see is having a bunch of tile lines below the ground, relatively shallow together, relatively shallow and relatively close together. So I'm usually talking about three to four foot normal depth for tile lines, but in those areas, we might be two or two and a half feet deep. And then normally for pattern tile situations, we're anywhere from 40 to 70 feet apart, but here we might be 20 to 30 feet apart. The other direction is to have risers or inlets, and I don't have a big problem with that if that water is not going to go right into a main water course. So let's say it was running right to a river or creek, then I don't really like those risers because what can happen is we can get a little bit of erosion, we can get some chemical and fertilizer in that water, and it goes right down that riser into the tile line. So that's the reason why I don't like to see that because we end up with a little bit more pollution that way. However, like on our farm, what we have in some situations is we will outlet right into a grass waterway or into a pond that's basically a retention pond. And either way, I have something else there to clean that water out before it ends up getting to the river or the stream. So anyway, those are the the common things that we will see. 
Have you seen a combination of having the risers and tile line together yeah. on the same setup? Yeah, and, and maybe I should have clarified that. We're always going to have the, the tile lines there. It's just in the, the option one I was giving you, we'll have more tile lines and they'll be a little bit more shallow. Where we've got the riser, there won't be quite as many tile lines and they'll usually be a little bit deeper. Perfect. I appreciate the input there, guys. You bet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it is a challenge when you start talking about these terraces. And the nice thing is now that we have the ability to do drain tile ourselves, for example, we can go in and we can make some modifications to some of these old terraces that were put in by our grandpa decades ago when literally all he had to control weeds and diseases and insects was massive tillage. So he had no choice but to put in these terraces to try to catch the soil before it all washed away. Well, today we have modern herbicides, insecticides, fungicides. We also have much, much better equipment to plant. We can go into no-till or even, let's say, strip-till. We have strip-till machines now. So that is amazing. And so we've made advancements there, so we don't need the terraces as much today. And in some cases, for some of the more flat ground, we've taken the terraces out. In other cases where the terraces need to stay, that's an awesome opportunity that we have to not just say, all right, well, we're going to catch a little soil here, and yeah, we might lose a little bit of crop, and or the crop will suffer, but whatever. We're going to add some tile lines right behind that terrace, and that definitely is going to keep the water table down, number one. And number two, what it does is it creates a reservoir. So when we do get rain, now the water doesn't just go there and hurt the crop more. It goes there and slowly seeps in because we have the water table down. So anyway, it's been a win-win kind of deal. Yeah, it costs a little bit of money to put tile in. But at the end of the day, if we can get more yield, that pays for the tile. And then, like I've been talking about, we have less erosion, we have less flooding, we have better downstream water quality, we keep more soil in the field, we keep more fertilizer in the field, we keep more chemical in the field. So it's really a good deal. When you install drain tile correctly, it should be a win-win for everybody. Not just for you, but for your neighbors, for the environment. And quite frankly, the other thing we haven't talked about yet today is roads. As farmers, we get blamed for road problems all the time. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it because we are not the main cause of road problems as farmers in our big trucks. The number one cause for road problems in the United States and Canada today, I will guarantee you it is not farmers. The number one problem is water. If we had tile lines on each side of every single road in North America, we'd have far better roads, far less road maintenance, way less total expense and hassle and everything else, and we'd get less blame because there would be a lot fewer road problems. So anyway... What happens below most roads today is water seeps wherever it wants to go. And you and I both know when there are those frost heaves in the spring, where are they the worst? Where the water was the worst. Or the other side of it is there's erosion below ground. A lot of times we think about just water moving above ground and that's it. But don't ever forget, water's moving below ground all the time too. And if it's moving below your road at a pretty good clip, what's going to happen? 
there's going to be some level of soil that's going to move. And anything that damages your base for your road damages your road. So fix the drainage. You fix the problem with the road long term. And I've got an example just right by our Ag PhD Field Day site. When we were doing our field day, probably, I don't even know, 10, 15 years ago, we did a little demonstration. We had two neighbors in the north. Their water was seeping below the road. And I used to live right at the, the farm place where our Ag PhD Field Day site is at. And every spring, I'd come driving out of my driveway, going down the road, and I'd have to go over these frost heaves. And every spring, the township would haul in more gravel. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is dumb. So one one day I went, or one year I went to the township and I said, guys, how about this? How about if I fix your road once and for all? And they're like, what? What, what are you talking about? And I go, well, the, both the neighbors, their water seeps below the road, goes over to my side, and it eats out the road. And then you have frost heaves and everything else. It's a disaster. I said, I'll tell you what, we're going to do, we'll do a demonstration at our field day. We'll spend the money, we'll bore under the road, it's going to cost you nothing. But this is going to solve the problem with the road. And I don't know if they've ever since then hauled gravel on that road. And this was years ago. So anyway, it's a simple thing. But if you look at like our township road, do you know where the culvert was for the water to go underneath? It was halfway up the hill. Well, maybe the hills changed or something. I don't know over time, but all I know is the culvert was in the complete wrong place. So the water had no choice but to seep below the road. And then the other side of this, remember earlier when I today when I was saying, oh, people think you're going to get flooded out. Well, where was this water going from the neighbors? It was coming to me anyway. So was I worried that, oh, they're going to tile and that it's going to outlet on my property? No, because I knew long term they were going to raise more crop and there was going to be less water getting onto my side. And I was getting the water anyway. So anyway, in the end, what I've now had is drier conditions on my side, a better road. The neighbors both have better crop. And everybody's happier. That's the kind of stuff we want to talk about with drain tile. It's phenomenal when it's installed correctly. All right, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. (sighs) Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. 
Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. Mailbag time. Questions. Answers. Brian. Darren. Mailbag time. Yeah. Mailbag. All right, Brian, let's start off with the soil test here from North Central Texas. Uh, this one comes in from Dusty. He said, I've, I've got a customer that wants me to plant alfalfa this year, and his budget is actually pretty high. Uh, low, yeah, this that's is low, good. Low He's going to need it. This is low acreage <laughs> that's been grass hay ground for the past five years. You know, and we see this a lot, Dusty, when guys have been haying off ground, <laughs> yep. they haven't kept up on fertility because nope. you're really pulling a lot out every time you're harvesting hay. Yes. So Dusty says, what would you do on this? Unfortunately for us, drain tile is not an option in this, but I do have a decent budget. Uh, so here you go. Here's the soil test. What would you do? Okay. Well, first of all, there's no phosphorus there. There's barely any potassium there. I mean, I realize the parts per million doesn't look bad for potassium where you're in the 200s. But if you're talking about alfalfa, and let's say you want to leave that stand in for four years, and you have a 30 cation exchange capacity, your potassium is not going to leach down very well or move down in the soil very well. So I realize this is a horrible year to try to build soil when fertilizer's at its all-time high price. But if I if I'm if I just take that out of the equation, what would I normally say for ground like this? Oh, I'm going to put on three or four years worth of P and K in one shot. I'm not going to lay it on the soil surface. I'm going to get it down into the ground where the crop can use it. So that's what I would do. Um, I'd at least be putting on a whole bunch of P and K because you know you're going to be sucking that out. So if you don't want to put on three or four years worth, at least put on a couple years worth. The other thing that's that's kind of low in this field is magnesium, in part because the calcium is so ridiculously high. So I, I if it's me, I'm probably going to use something like KMAG where I can continue putting on magnesium along with the potassium. Your, your magnesium levels aren't horrible, but we'd like to get them a little higher. With the super ridiculously high calcium, you can continue putting sulfur on each and every year. So whether you want to do ammonium sulfate in some other crop, you want to use a little bit of uh, 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 elemental sulfur. I, I mean, just get some sulfur out there every single year to start working that calcium down. 
if you put a bunch of sulfur on, hopefully that's going to bind with the calcium and hopefully you'll get some of that calcium out of the soil. But yeah, you got really high calcium levels. Here are a couple other things that, that I would mention, actually three, zinc, copper, and boron. You basically have nothing for zinc, copper, and boron out there. Alfalfa needs boron, but that is leachable just like sulfur and nitrogen or nitrate. So with boron, I'd put a little bit on every year and maybe even a tiny, tiny little bit every cutting. With zinc, that zinc and copper, they don't move well in soil. So they're very much like phosphorus. So with zinc and copper, I'd be putting some on initially, knowing that right now I have none. All right. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. Uh, had a few comments come in. Uh, whenever we talk about tillage, Jimmy says you need to turn your land every three to four years. Richard said uh, you should go back to plows and stay away from the spray and use cultivators instead. And then Mike says, do you guys actually farm? Or are you just trying to sell chemical uh, in, in this reduced <laughs> tillage situation? And then uh, uh, I got another one that came in with no name. It says uh, one thing that that uh, people don't realize tractor supply doesn't even ask if you have a farm when you're trying to buy chemical there. So yeah, just a number of different comments. It's funny. You know what? That's the thing. If you're going to reduce tillage, it's going to take some sort of herbicide generally to control the weeds. Tillage often does take out at least one flush of weeds. Well, you don't have to. You can go pull them just like we used to when we were kids and spend your whole summer out in your fields pulling weeds. So there are options out there. And one thing that farmers are never short of typically is opinions so we <laughs> got opinions fair. going completely <laughs> different directions there it all depends on how you want to farm and this is one of the things we often say you tell us how you want to farm and we'll help you do the best job possible so i don't care if you want to go organic or what many people would call conventional or using pesticides i don't care if you want to go no-till or you want to go back to the moldboard plow and do full-scale tillage we can help you either way there are management steps that you need to take to make each one of those things successful and it's whole different so that's one of the biggest mistakes when we first switched over to doing a bunch of no-till almost 30 years ago we tried farming no-till this pretty much the same way we were farming conventional till other than taking out the tillage well that doesn't work at all you you, you got to make a bunch of adjustments everything from your planter to how you're going to address compaction, how you're going to address nutrient placement, what you're going to use for hybrids, maybe even crop rotation. Your weed spectrum is going to be different. You're going to use different herbicides. I mean, all those things change when you change your tillage practice. So again, we don't really care. It doesn't matter to us what you choose to do. We'll try to help you no matter what. All right, got a few questions that came in from Matt down in Texas here. And Matt said, I heard it a while back you guys had a large farm operator that had a bunch of leased ground on your show, and he was talking about reworking their leases so they had a cash rent base plus a bonus on top based on commodity prices or profitability. Uh, it sounded like you guys might be looking at that for your farm, just wondering what you think. I would prefer to do a flux lease on my farm with a cash cash base and a percentage of profits, but just wonder if you have any examples of how people are doing that. Okay. So first of all, no, we're not planning to do that on our farm. I don't like a lot of complexity. I like to try to keep things simple. And I also, especially like our landlords, and we, we're down to 
what do we have four landlords and I got a couple on share rent so I mean it's almost nothing anymore we've we've had the opportunity to buy almost all the ground over the years that we've ended up farming but anyway the point here is I like simple I like easy I like everybody knowing for sure where we're at but if you want to go the other direction, you absolutely can. And it makes complete sense. It's pro- It probably is a smarter way to go where you have, okay, here's our base. So let's say it's $100 an acre. But then however, wh- whatever the commodity price is, our rent will go up $10 for every, I'm just going to throw a number out, for every 50 cents the soybean price goes up, then we're going up another 10 bucks or, or whatever it is. I mean, there are a lot of ways to look at that thing. I would not advise you take it all the way down to your profit level because now you've got to share everything with the landlord. Plus, it's not very complicated. Plus, then it can potentially hurt the trust relationship that there is. So I don't want anybody questioning my motives. I don't want anybody questioning my morals, how I keep books, anything else. So that's part of the reason why I want simple. We agree to a price. I pay the price when I'm supposed to pay it. There's no question. Everything is good. Here's another thing that I will tell you. So, and let's take this all the way down to employees. So we have employees. And rather than having bonuses based on yield or our profit or anything else, we don't have any of that. We'll we'll have a little bit for certain employees uh, based on performance. But the reason why we don't have a bunch of bonus things in there is because if you do, sooner or later, things are going to go down. And everything's all rosy. And everybody's super happy when they're making more money. But as soon as they're making less money, they start going, hmm, I don't like that. That's not good. And now they start questioning the relationship. So whether it's an employee or a landlord, that's the biggest thing that I would say to you. Why? I mean, that'd be the biggest potential downfall that I would see. So again, you do whatever you want to do. I don't care. It probably does make a lot of sense to have something where there is some kind of incentive. But the flip side of that is if that landlord's going to make less money, now we get really concerned. And it's not as bad with some of the share rent people that let's say they used to farm the ground, they understand it, or maybe they're your relative, whatever. Or like in our case, I mean, it's people we've dealt with our whole lives practically. All right, that's a little different than a landlord who you just started working with doesn't really know you or trust you all that much. And all of a sudden, year three, you're paying them less than you were year two. That gets a little bit dicey. And this is also part of the reason why back when I was a young agronomist 30 years ago, almost all the farmers I worked with their their landlords, it was share rent. Almost everything today is cash. I know very few people that are on share rent anymore, and this is a big reason why. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. Uh, Clara sent in a comment. We were talking about fertilizer expense on, a, on an old Ag PhD show that she found on YouTube. Uh, but says, boy, if it wasn't funny then, it's really not funny now. Uh, the urea price in our area is uh, pretty insane. Yeah, we, we've definitely been talking about that this winter, how fertilizer prices made a huge, huge jump. It's why we talk about soil tests on our show so often. We just encourage everyone, do a better job soil testing. Go down to a smaller grid size or smaller zone size. You can really see those details out in your farm and manage them with variable rate fertility and put on the fertilizer that's going to pay the most for this year's crop first. Hey, thanks, Clara. Really appreciate the comment. Really appreciate you checking us out as well. Thanks for listening today. 
Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.